0: The following show is pre-recorded. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city.
1: This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Operations for 820 AM The Word. Well, last week on Heart of the City, I had our special guest, Steve and Jen McConnell, as they shared their lives with us, and I've invited them back this week because, Steve and Jen, we barely got started here as you shared your stories. And just to summarize, because we've got a lot more to talk about, uh, grew up in Victorville, California, <laughs> yeah. and... Uh, uh, Jen, you became a, a, a believer as a young girl, four years old, but, uh, I uh, grew up in a in a Christian family and uh, then met Steve when you were about 15, 16 years mm-hmm. old. Let's kind of take it from there and summarize where you were at at that time with your mom and dad and family, and then we'll move on to the rest of the story.
2: Yeah, so uh, we were living, actually, we we were neighbors at that time, and I moved into the neighborhood when I was 14, and they were a home of boys and we were a home of girls. And um we really became friends. Actually, I was very outgoing and uh, and was always trying to talk to him. I wanted him to be my friend. She
3: was and, very outgoing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he was very shy. Um, and uh, so I just, I made it my goal to become friends with him. So we would walk to the school bus together and, uh, and I would just keep talking to him and tried to get him to come and walk to the school bus with us. And eventually he did. And uh, we just became really good friends, um, and that friend, we we were quick friends. And you know, at that time, I had a boyfriend; he had a girlfriend, and it was just a, a friendship that was uh, growing. Um, but through a turn of events, he shared about his girlfriend passing away, and uh, and I broke up with my boyfriend. Um, we ended up dating, and uh, in the process of that, uh, even though I was a, a Christian um and he had just recently become a christian we struggled with uh sexual sin and as a result of that i ended up getting pregnant and um that was uh, terrifying for me um and we just began the process of telling my family about it and his family his family was easier to tell very easy <laughs> mm-hmm. they didn't really um mm-hmm. care too much um I mean, they cared, but not at the same level. It was
1: kind of like "boys will be boys" kind of a mindset. Yes, mm-hmm. yes.
2: But my parents, obviously, they felt like you know my whole wor- my whole life was being you know robbed uh, from me to a certain extent. Uh, I was I got good grades. I listened to all of my teachers. I thought my parents were the smartest people in the world. I was just a a good child, so I was probably the last child in my parents' home that anybody would have ever thought would end up pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not that child. So um, when this happened, it pretty much rocked my entire family. Um, And then Steve was, at that point, was not um, the – choice person you would want your daughter to end up in a situation uh, i don't know why that would be <laughs> <laughs> well you you shared steve
1: that you came from a pretty tough background as far as your father yeah. being an alcoholic and and the, the fact is that he dealt <clears throat> pretty much everything by anger and you saw that and kind of mirrored that in your own life and that was just what you grew up with and what you knew as as being a man that's how you handled situations and uh, as you shared and not for me to tell your story, but as we're summarizing here, that when you sat down to talk with Jen's father and mother, that you saw uh, the different side of manhood. Mm-hmm. And just let's take it from there, and then we'll, we'll go on.
3: And that, you know, as I said, um, my dad showed me, I guess what you might say, what what not to do as a father. <laughs> you know, we've all had leaders in our lives that, that we've uh, thought, hmm, I learned a lot. About what not to do mm-hmm. from your leadership and 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 that's that can be good and it can be bad and and in my father's case uh it it was it was there was a there was a deficit that I had to recover from uh because of that mm-hmm. and observing Jen's dad and how he dealt with his children was so different and and this situation was just one of many you know I remember uh one time uh, some some guy tried to road rage. On Jen and her sisters. They were in a car together and this guy tried to road rage and they pulled into McDonald's. And what they didn't know is that Rick Bowman was behind <laughs> them. And, uh, this guy got out to yell at him in their window and there was Rick Bowman. He took care of the situation. Now, now he did it with firmness, but kindness. And, and it was a, it was the first time I, I think I had ever experienced true righteous anger. He was protecting his kids, mm-hmm. but he never, never once minimized this other person or dehumanized him, but he just stood his ground. And and that was that for me to see those godly characteristics, to to stand firm. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of David and uh, the battle of David and Goliath, right? David went up to the battle with his brothers to, and I always say it this way, to take them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, <laughs> you know, to take him some food, and there's this giant challenging the God of israel. that's how david saw it he's He's challenging the the, the armies of Israel, the God of Israel. who is this i i will I will go and take care of this. David had an unction he had he had a righteous anger mm-hmm. that led to a victory
2: mm-hmm. and
3: I saw that in Rick Pullman. and I saw that honestly in many men of the church there. I remember there was this, this uh, Gil Lucero was a part of the church, and he was a part of a, a motorcycle gang, uh, a Harley gang, and this guy was a rough and tough guy, tough guy, but man, he was the gentlest man I think I've ever met. and And so there was a group of men that began to show me what the character of God really looked like in a man, and it changed the way I thought.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I don't want to get off track here, but was there ever a thought of abortion? No,
2: absolutely not. Yeah. No, I was uh, and we actually so the when I got pregnant, um, just prior to me getting pregnant, an abortion clinic opened up in our hometown and it was right down the street from the high school. And uh, I had people talking to to me about it in a for, forceful way. Uh, I had a teacher yell at me um, that I was giving up my life and there was an option. And there was never once was there ever a thought. I I was indignant at the thought that people would uh, even consider uh, that I should do that. Um, I thought there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to be a loving mom, and I was going to care for my daughter and do everything I could uh, to give her a good life, no matter how hard I had to work. And and I also believed that about Steve. I know, you know, I I, I kind of you know talk about how he wasn't um, who anybody would want their their. Child to be pregnant with, but I saw something different in him. And we won't talk about missionary dating because we tell our girls that is absolutely (laughs) unacceptable. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But um, in this case, the Lord worked. Something that should have failed, mm-hmm. and uh, and he took two people who should not have made it. He took two people who should not have been able to have a life together, and he did something beautiful in that. and uh, And that's part of our story. Um, but no, abortion was never an option for me. I would have told my dad a hundred times over again that I was pregnant than ever consider that. I had a strong conviction. Mm-hmm. And mm. She had a
3: really strong conviction because I remember just, you know, I knew no better, you know, right? I wasn't, I was unchurched, so and I remember bringing it up and and she she lets you know she answered <laughs> st- stronger than she just answered with you, the no, it was much more firm with me, uh, uh. <laughs> um, yeah. But but you know, they did do, I'll just bring this up, it's just a thought that came to my mind. They did a study the same year that we got pregnant with our oldest daughter, they 10 years later. They did a study on on ten couples that got a hundred couples. A hundred couples. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Yeah, you can ch- chime in anytime and correct me because likely <laughs> I'll need it. Uh, but they did a. They followed them, and ten years later, none of those couples were still together. Mm-hmm. So out of a hundred couples, the same year we got pregnant, those out of teen a, pa- parents, teen parents, out of a hundred of them, none of them were still together. And so a lot of times people can romanticize what we did and they think it'll work out the same way for them and and I'm not here to throw cold water on anybody or anything like that but but I would say uh hold on to your purity our story is a beautiful one that God redeemed and I will tell you it's come through struggle a struggle after struggle we had mm-hmm. to learn a lot of hard lessons as young married people mm-hmm. as young parents and we had to fight tooth and nail for everything that we got mm-hmm. as as young adults and and we did we lost our young adult years mm-hmm. ultimately we completely yeah. lost it because we became parents and uh and we don't we don't despise it we're no. grateful like our yeah. oldest daughter is we love her and mm-hmm. and she's given us three great grandchildren you know, three right? grandchildren yeah. not they're great grandchildren they're great they're great children, children. children. yeah they are <laughs> our grandchildren right But, uh, and she's pregnant again with her fourth. And so Mm -hmm. uh, I would just say this to maybe some people that are maybe struggling in their purity. Maybe they're listening to this Mm -hmm. right now and they hear our story and it might sound like, oh, it worked out for them. And, you know, I always say this to people. I say, you know, sexuality, if we can discipline our sexuality, anything in our life will come easy. Mm -hmm. Sexuality is the most difficult area in a person's life. Mm -hmm. to discipline it is the flesh will 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 just have its way when it comes to sexuality Mm -hmm. and if we can learn to discipline our sexuality uh you know getting through arguments as a married couple will be easy (laughs) finances will be easy which is the number one reason people divorce uh raising children will be Mm -hmm. easy because we have learned to discipline the most difficult area Of our life, and it, and that will carry into every other area of our life, and you know I call it I call it the uh, the monster in the cage. Let's leave it in the cage <laughs> until marriage, and then we can open that. But until then, let's leave it there because once you open that before marriage, and we're here to mm. testify that you cannot get that thing back in there. It is so difficult. Mm. It takes such discipline and restraint and. And everything that goes with that. And so I would just say, you know, live out your purity mm. before the Lord in a holy and wholesome way.
1: Mm. You know, I was I had uh, um, dinner with some friends uh, last Saturday and they're uh, pastors that have counseled many, many couples. In fact, that day that we had dinner, that afternoon they had performed a ceremony with, with a young couple who— uh, had had past sexual experience with each other so we were talking about that and you know their counsel and guidance it to a couple that they know that may have been living together or had this these past experiences is that there is a value to when you, during premarital counseling to say listen uh, people fast <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, their food intake mm-hmm. and that sort of thing for spiritual person, uh, reasons. Even though that line has been crossed in mm-hmm. your relationship, mm-hmm. there's still a sense that if you make that commitment yeah. of fasting and make a, a commitment of staying separate mm-hmm. and holy, even even though you've crossed that line before, yet mm-hmm. there is a discipline. Mm-hmm. You talk about dis- a discipline that takes place yep. that that can have – uh, impact into mm-hmm. your relationship going forward. It doesn't m- take take what happened away, yeah. but yet you're so right, Steve, that that is such a barometer for the mm-hmm. rest of your relationship, yeah. isn't it? It
2: is. I think it's the right way to do it. On the same, on the other hand, there, uh, God's love is redeeming, and shame is not from the Lord. Conviction is from the Lord, but shame is a, a trait of yeah, of man. the enemy, and uh, there 's a redeeming part, and that's part of that 's what our story is is it 's the story of redemption it 's the story of of Jesus taking something that shouldn't have been and restoring it. Um, but we have to get on board with that. you know i can 't choose to live in shame. you know there was a lot of shame for me because I was a Christian girl who got pregnant. And I remember being not wanting to tell my story or not wanting to tell people that I was a Christian girl that got pregnant because there was more shame for me that I was a Christian. You should have known better. Right, exactly. Right. I knew yeah. the Bible. I was told every day, I'm sure, in church as a teenager that sex was bad outside of marriage, you know. Uh, but I wasn't told why it wasn't good. Um, and I think that was that missing piece but. I had to get on board with my redeeming story. And if I allowed myself to get lost in my shame, I wouldn't have that story. But I had to allow the work that Jesus did on the cross to count for me. And and not just in my head, but in my heart. Mm-hmm.
1: It's always interesting when I hear stories and I get the opportunity to do that through Heart of the City when, when people talk to me about their past sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and to see how, when when they're sharing that with me, that there's not a glory in that sin, mm-hmm. but there's a, a matter-of-factness. When someone has truly been redeemed, mm-hmm. and that's part of your story, it, uh, I always think of it in terms of it's like a scar that's on your arm that mm-hmm. you can touch. You know, that was a past wound that was there that at one point in time in your life you couldn't even touch it because mm-hmm. it was so painful because that wound was still there. But when there's a scar... You know that's been healed. There's still that scar there, but yet you can touch it. You can talk about it. You can maybe even tell uh, interesting stories <laughs> about it, right? Because there's that pain's no longer there. The Lord's redeemed. You know, your body has redeemed that part of the of the wound. The Lord has redeemed that issue in your life to where you can share that story. It's a scar, but it's a it's a it's a story of yeah. redemption. Yeah. yeah. So. We've got just nine minutes left. So we want to <laughs> get out. We want to move on yeah. because we've gotten to uh, yeah, you're yeah. 19 years old and you're yeah. not 19 yeah, years yeah, old yeah. any longer. No, we're so not. You, you went into the military.
3: Yep, went into the military. Got really great structure in my life that I hadn't had because mm-hmm. my dad left when I was eight. And then I was kind of, you know, just on my own. My mom's worked three jobs. And so me and my brothers, one brother became a major uh, drug addict. Uh, he 's clean now he got saved and and he 's been redeemed now and been clean for twenty some odd years but but we were kind of rough and tumble boys, and we did whatever we wanted and so when I went to the military, there was now all this structure, and I actually thrived in the military and and and, and I grew and and learned uh about the man I could become. Uh, and
1: I would think that the Marine father-in-law was kind of happy about that in he, some ways. I,
3: I think he was. Yeah, I think when I told him I was considering the army, he wanted me to go into the Marines. <laughs> but I had a brother that had already gone to the army, and I knew a little bit about it. And so, and, and and the Lord opened doors, and I went back to school, and I got my diploma in a short amount of time. And the day I got my high school diploma, I swore in for the military, and then they shipped me off and. And one thing led to another. And I, I remember one night, you know, in the military, it it isn't Christian friendly. We'll say they're not—it's it's not anti-Christian, it's not at all, but there's a lot of young men doing a lot of worldly things. right? Mm-hmm. And so I had to make a lot of choices, continue to make choice after choice, to choose God and to choose and to surrender to Jesus and to see Jesus in every opportunity that I had and I had finished my training school and I well, I decided to go to jump school which is airborne so right. I would jump out of airplanes and I remember driving and I put on a, a tape that was in my car and it was the same worship leader from the night that I got saved on Halloween night then he was singing worship and something came alive in me you know not that I w- hadn't been walking with the Lord but but I hadn't I don't think been this was the next step mm-hmm. right And so the Lord, and I didn't have a Bible at the time. And the Lord said, when you get to Fort Benning, you go to a Bible store and you buy a Bible and you read it every day. And so I I just did what he said. And I went to the Bible store and I got a Bible and I read my Bible every single day. And I finished jump school and they shipped me to Korea for a year. And so that meant Jen and, and our oldest daughter were left at home and I was gone to Korea for an entire year. And I remember I was in my room one night, and I was lonely. I didn't know anybody, and I I said to the Lord, I said, I thought you'd never leave me or forsake me. I thought you said that. And uh, my recollection, and and it may have been because I was tired, (laughs) but that that God showed up in my room that night. And he said, whenever you're tired, whenever you're lonely, whenever you have anxiety, whenever you're afraid, whenever you're angry— I just want you to open up the Bible and I want you to read. And so I remember that night I opened my Bible and it was probably nine o'clock at night when this all went down. And, and actually I I miss a key part here. It it was, it was almost like me and God made a handshake. And he said, if you do this, I will be with you. Mm -hmm. And I remember it as a handshake with another man. That's just my, how my mind worked around this. And, I, and as I think back on it, I, it's very vivid to me. And I remember when I did this, and I read all night long, and then my alarm went off for our physical training the next morning, which was at 5 o'clock, and I was still reading. And so many, many nights, I would just sit with the Bible open, and I would read. And and what I tell people was happening. And, and we only had uh, one phone call a month between Jen and I. It was before email, and we only had one phone call. And so everything was written communication Mm -hmm. and God rewired my thinking. And the way that God rewired my thinking was through the reading of the word of God. It will, you know, if you're listening and and you have struggles in your life and you haven't been able to get away from certain sins and you, you fall into the same thing over and over, um, I always say this, you know, if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. And I know Mm -hmm. that's a common saying, but for us as humans, as as God's creation, he created us to operate a certain way. And that was with constant communication with him. And one form of that constant communication is the word of God. And as we read that word of God... Our mind is changed. It's, it says we, we wash our mind with the Word of God. That's what happens. It, it changes how we think. It changes how we view ourselves. It changes how we look at other people. It does. And Jen, uh, her and the girls, our younger girls, were just going through letters, and they were just looking at—she kept every letter I wrote her for the whole year. <laughs> so that 's a lot of letters right sometimes two a day right? <laughs> uh, but I went in the military uh and and god trans- i didn't get i didn 't have anybody there I just had the Bible, and he changed me i we didn 't even have christian radio <laughs> I was I was like totally cut off from the world and isolated and and I was there being discipled uh, for the first six mm. months by God alone mm. by the reading of the word.
1: Mm. That's a powerful story, Steve. Yeah. It really is. Well, we have just uh just a few moments left and uh w- we're not going to get to the rest of the story, but I yeah. guess that's okay because yep. you know what? The Lord uh in his mercy have have called you into pastoring and uh you are now the senior pastors of Seattle 4 Square Church yep. up in the Northgate area. Yep. Yep. And um just uh, give an invitation to people right now to be able to come to church. We've got about one minute left, so it's all yours. Yeah,
3: it's pretty easy. Uh, We are approaching church like God approached me. What we're doing is we're preaching through books of the Bible. We started with John, and so we'll preach verse by verse through John. And so what we're doing is we're letting the Word of God transform and rewire our thinking. Yeah. And John ultimately is all about getting to know Jesus. It's really about who—and isn't that the story of the Bible, right? It's the story of Jesus. But John, in particular, gets into the details of exactly who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And so if you may be listening and you've just kind of stopped by this channel and heard us and you're like, who is this Jesus? Well, I can tell you this. If you come to Seattle Foursquare and join us for a service— we will discover together. Yes. This isn't something that Jennifer and I know. We're studying this, and we're learning right along with the rest of the congregation. And uh, we would love for anybody that's mm-hmm. in the area that wants to join us. We're at Seattle Foursquare. Sundays
1: at 10 a.m. Sundays at <laughs> 10 a.m. Well, you can certainly learn more about it if you go to seattlefoursquare.org and get the information about the service times as as well as the location. Stephen Jen McConnell, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. If you want to hear the podcast of part one or part two, you can always go to the click on programs, you'll see my smiling face for Heart of the City, and click on that and you'll see the podcast there for for Stephen Jen. Lord bless you. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having us. You've been listening to this 820 AM, The Word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmsted, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com.